What's good, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Hard Work Beats Talent, where we aim to draw upon the insights of our inner circle in order to help our listeners make more informed decisions about their career and life journeys. I'm Alex, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Nikita. Hello, hello. Before we get into it, please remember to subscribe, follow, like, etc. at the Hard Work Beats Talent podcast on all major platforms. So, moving on. Today, we are very excited to be joined by the tenacious, multi-talented mm-hmm. trailblazer that is Ellie. What's going on, Ellie? How are you today? Hello. That was a very kind introduction. Thank you. And thanks for having me. All very merited. So to, to kick off, do you mind just giving us an elevator pitch as to who you are, what you do and all that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Ellie. I am the founder of a company called This Girl Talks Money, which is a financial education platform and the host of a podcast called Money and Filtered. That's a plug. So guys, it'll be in the show notes. Check it out. <laughs> nice. Um, so to kick us off, I mean, you you have various different aspects that you cover, um, mostly in sort of financial education, breaking yeah. that down. Um, do you want to give our viewers and listeners um, a bit of an overview of what it is that you do on a day-to-day basis. And we can break that down into segments of the different platforms, um, but just to give us a sense of how it looks and how it works. Yeah, absolutely. So broadly speaking, I would say there are like three different things that I do that This Girl Talks Money encompasses. Um, The first thing really is the, I guess, public facing stuff. So the content creation, social media, which looks a lot easier than it is. Um, <laughs> so, 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 we're <laughs> yeah, so, so we're discovering, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's one of those things like, people are always like, oh yeah, this looks fun, like I'll start it. And then you're like, oh my gosh, there's a lot <laughs> that goes into it. So um, yeah, I mean, I've been doing that for about three years or so. Um, and that really encompasses, I guess, everything from coming up with the ideas of what content to create, talking Mm. to the audience, getting feedback on content, looking at what's performing well, what's not performing well, um, filming content, designing content, um, and scheduling that all. Um, And within that comes brand partnership. So um, I've got to a point now where I get brand partnerships, um, typically with financial brands but it does mm-hmm. sometimes encompass lifestyle brands um which again is a process which is a lot longer than it often <laughs> looks um you see when you're scrolling through instagram you're like uh, you see an advert and you're like oh that looks fun i'm sure that was a nice nice job to do yeah. it's great um i really enjoy it and i'm lucky to work with some great brands but the process to get to what you see at the end is very long um there is a lot of emailing a lot of briefs editing all of this stuff um so That is a big portion, I guess, of what I do. Mm -hmm. The second part is the behind the scenes work, I guess, which a lot of people don't realize that I do do. Um, But that is really writing primarily, but also consulting for financial services companies primarily. Um, So I work with a range of different companies, a lot of startups um, who are going into the fintech financial education space. I do a lot of writing, so copywriting for them um, and also helping them with strategy because they want to do effectively what I've done, um, but 
then sell something at the end of it. Um, so that's another part. And I do also do a bit of that for companies that aren't in finance, um, but less so. And then the okay. third thing is the podcast. Um, and as you guys probably know, um, it takes up a lot of time, a lot more time than it also looks like. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of that. I'm lucky I have a co-host as well, Victoria. Um, we actually started it in 2021 um, in the middle of the lockdown. Um, and we have just been going at that for, yeah, I guess a year and a half now. We're now again getting to a point where we are thinking about how do we take it to the next level? Um, how do we monetize it? How do we turn it into something bigger? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is- We'll pick your brain at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, no, it sounds great. Amazing, so it's clearly a, a unique path. I, I don't think I've met anyone who's a brand content creator, has their own uh, kind of company and then also has their own podcast. So how did you get here? <laughs> Very good question. Yeah. This may take a little while because we want to really get into the journey. Um, and I guess just like a forethought, um, our listeners, you know, they'll be listening with an interest of, well, how do I become a brand or content creator, uh, Instagrammer, podcaster, you know, and um, I think it'd be really interesting for them to hear as Alice, as Alex asked the question, how you might go from something and transition into something completely different. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the starting point is um, that I started out my career as a lawyer. Um, so anyone that doesn't know, um, I actually was at university with Alex and um, I studied a different course, but we both also then went and trained at the same law firm. Um, so that was the path that I was on until I guess I was about 22, um, I would say. So I was due to start my training contract at 23, moved to London to do the LPC and to study. And up until then, I hadn't really thought about the path I was on. I was like, okay, cool. I'm being a lawyer. Um, <laughs> and I moved to... <laughs> it's like, it is one of those things where you just, once you get on the journey, there's so much that you have to achieve to get there that yeah. you just, you're on like this train ride essentially yeah absolutely and i mean the kind of full honesty is that i actually got the job relatively easily so i know that law is like a very competitive place to be but i feel like it's a big part of the story is the fact that actually i didn't find it very hard i just knew how to tick the boxes that would get me the job so i ticked mm. those boxes and i got the job before i'd really thought about what I actually wanted to do. Right, okay. Can you see why I said multi-talented? Yeah, it's <laughs> casual. Yeah, I can just yeah. go and get a training. T took me ten years to qualify, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I, I agree with you though, because um, I think if, you know, for those that listen to my episode of of this podcast, um, I talked about sort of maturing in education because I wasn't a particularly good learner in my younger days, and it took me time to figure out how to sort of sit exams and tick the boxes and kind yeah. of mature into that, uh, which sounds like you discovered a lot sooner and, you know, it r worked out well. So how, how did you kind of go from there? Yeah, exactly. That is a thing. I think like a lot of people that have been through any graduate process know there is a lot of just like steps you have to be good at and hoops you have mm. to jump through. And so I did that, got on the track, moved to London. S sorry, before we move on, I think that's actually a great opportunity to 
cross-refer back to <laughs> the episode where you interviewed me. I think it was episode two. Um, yeah. Just because I think some listeners might have an interest in going into the legal sector and what you're saying really resonates with me and my journey. I think identifying, okay, if I want to get a training contract in three years, here's what I need to do in between now and then. And a lot of that comes down to, say, some of the guidance you have around you at the time, and not everyone has that, but I set that out in, in episode two. So if, if you do have an interest in that, guys, do do go back and listen. Yeah, absolutely. And once you know that, it's kind of like, okay, how do I tick those steps off? Um, but yeah, so I had the job. I needed to finish studying, move to London, um, very excited, having a great time. And I was quite interested in fitness at this point. Mm. Um, and I basically started going to some events to try and meet some people, just have a, you know, have a, have a fun time. Mm. Um, and I met a girl called Louise who was running an event at this point. So I was a future lawyer. She was running this fitness event with a friend and I got speaking to her and she was coming to the end of her training contract. So she's a few years older than me. And we just got on like a house on fire um, because we were two kind of lawyer, lawyer to be in this world, which was very much kind of Instagram, fitness, <laughs> cute clubs, very like very fashionable. And we just were like, okay, we're the same kind of person here. Um, but she announced to me that she was actually quitting law after her training contract and going to start a business in fitness and fitness marketing particularly. Um, and you can start to see where this is going. Um, but I hadn't even started my job at this point. Um, mm -hmm we became very, very good friends, and we still are. Um, and basically I was like, okay, off I go to my job. But every day I was basically speaking to Louise, who was now on this new journey, setting up her business, going to all these right. really cool events, doing all this really cool stuff, and I was just in an office. Um, <laughs> I was in an office. I can attest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That office wasn't always lit. <laughs> yeah. Literally, and you know, like there's not to say that there weren't great parts about it, and like um, I, I had, on the whole, I think like a pretty good time, but as I was going through the two years, which, it's actually a really long time. Mm. I was seeing this company grow, see the opportunities grow. And I started also paying. She's having a great time doing it as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. She's in control. She can do what she wants. And I also started to help her. So I got to a point where I would go from the office to go and meet her at her co-working space and then spend hours with her, helping yeah. her on the strategy for her company. And I just started to feel a bit like, like, my is my heart in this like mm. and also what are these other opportunities that are out there um so i guess to cut a very long story shorter um basically we had a conversation which was this was kind of the second year of the training contract we had a conversation where she said you know would you actually ever join and i thought yes i would um did she mention like in the legal capacity or? <laughs> no, literally no, just okay. as like a a business partner effectively. Okay. Oh, um, yeah, and this at this stage, the company was doing very well, um, but she couldn't manage it all herself. And I was just spending so much time kind of helping her. And basically it got to a point where I was like, 
I either stay and like go down this route or if I'm going to leave, there's never going to be a better time mm. um, because actually I had no responsibilities. I was 25. I, I didn't, I knew I could go back because I wasn't going to leave before I qualified. Yeah. So yeah. I'd have that under my belt if it all went wrong. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I left. Um, I questioned it a lot of times. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, it wasn't an easy decision, but it was one of those things, like I said, where there was never going to be a better time because also leaving at that point meant that I hadn't got used to, like, a higher salary as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also, at this point, was with my partner, now husband, who also was at the same firm as Shout us. Shout out, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was he was staying, so yeah, yeah. I knew, okay, he's there, he's got this path, mm. I can afford to take a risk. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's effectively what I did, I took a massive risk. Well, yeah, that that's what really struck me when you were going through that journey, is that you kind of, you, you weren't going to leave until you qualified, and actually a point you touched on, Alex, in episode two was, that it's something that no one can really take away from you. Yeah. So if it doesn't work out, you can always go back, right? Yeah. And I think that whole point about not getting too used to that private practice um, salary or, you know, even just, just working in, in as a lawyer in the industry, um, you kind of maybe can take that decision a little bit easier go out there see what it is and, and you did take a massive gamble which is um really commendable so yeah good on you for doing that um, <laughs> it, it takes real confidence to do it so it's great and and uh, when you were working for was it louise yeah w were you getting paid to, to do this yes. work at the time okay uh, well i think this, the point i was going to make still stands which is you did that kind of with the service mindset and it wasn't i'm doing it only because i'm getting paid by the sounds of it you were passionate and you wanted to help your friend and and that led to a bigger opportunity down the line right yeah. and 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 an opportunity to build skills that you might not necessarily have got to have developed at a, a junior stage in a law firm yeah, absolutely so that i think is like the the biggest thing is like you know ultimately five years later the company that she built doesn't exist in that same format now anyway and i am obviously not there as well but mm -hmm. she built it up it was doing very well but then realized that actually it wasn't what either of us really wanted was to be managing people because managing people <laughs> is a nightmare um <laughs> agreed it, oh my gosh yeah like that's the one biggest takeaway about what not to do is to hire anyone um <laughs> but not to scare anybody um but that being said like i learned so so much like i learned everything about building a business and running a business the highs the lows the stressful things the opportunities like how to pitch how to manage clients i learned all of that at 25 and yeah. i was literally sat next to the founder every day like i couldn't have had better experience mm. and i also learned so the company was an agency it was a um a social media agency for fitness well-being brands um and I learned how to use social media mm. in a professional capacity, yeah. um, which obviously is what then gave me like the skills and the confidence to do what I've then done mm -hmm. because I knew how it worked. Yeah. Um, obviously, I've done it in a very different sector, but that was very much the basis of which I kind of built what I've now got. And, and sorry, just while we're on skills, do you think there was anything you learned in your 
legal training that helped at all? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I think the biggest thing was actually from the training, not the, well, from the education, not the training contract, because I learned about business and how businesses work, the structure mm. of businesses, how they run, and then also- the risks. Just, exactly, yeah, like the risks <laughs> yeah. to look out for, all of that. But then also just contracts, because mm. I deal with my own contracts all yeah. the time. Like Save a lot of money there then. <laughs> exactly, so much. Yeah. Um, and I know what to look for, I know like where the things are that I maybe need to discuss with somebody. And it's happened several times where I've looked at something and I've been like, I'm not happy with this, like go and change it. Mm. Um, and so just even having that awareness, which you don't get, I think, otherwise. Yeah. Um, like I, I, I'm sure it helps having a lawyer in the house as well. It does help, yes. Um, but yeah, I definitely yeah. credit like the LPC mm. yeah, for yeah. that like knowledge and awareness. Yeah. That's like something when I was trying to decide what I wanted to do at university, like my mum, she was very traditional in that sense, was like, be a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist or something. And by one point she did make was that if you study something like law, even at an academic level, um, you learn so many transferable skills um, about, yeah, like you say, business, companies, um, the just general law, yeah. contracts, like all this kind of stuff that's really transferable. Um, so... Um, it's yeah, great skill to have and to be a qualified solicitor as well is probably massively helpful. Um, so why don't we start with sort of when you moved from this agency to what you're doing now? Was it a kind of a from one to the other? Was there no, stuff in between? It was very gradual okay. is what I would say. Um, I think when you kind of look at it in a trajectory, it looks very like boom, boom, boom. But right. When I started This Girl Talks Money, it literally started out as a blog and an Instagram page. And at that time, the agency had started to kind of wind down, but I was doing work as a contractor. So I still had a bit of money, but mm -hmm. I just thought, I've got this idea. It's been in my head for a while. Um, no one I had found in the UK was doing it. So yeah. people in the US were doing it. Massive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, if I don't do it now, someone else is going to do it. Yeah. And I was right because three years later, it, there are a lot more people doing it. But starting in 2019, I just thought, let's see what happens. Um, if you go back to like what I started out with, like it doesn't mm. look anything like it looks now. It was very like scrappy and i just thought i'm just going to put this content out there and see if there's a demand for it see if there's an interest for it mm -hmm. and i do think that there is a definite element of like early adopter advantage here in the sense that quite quickly within like the first three or four months i got asked to start writing blogs for a company they didn't pay me very well but mm -hmm. they paid me something yeah um and that really i guess was the start of me thinking maybe this is actually like a bigger thing than just the project. So yeah. so what content were you putting out then before? Was it blogs that uh, kind of piqued the interest of companies? Yeah, so okay. I was writing my own blog okay. um, about just like very simple money tips, that kind of stuff, posting on Instagram, like similar stuff, like very simple, straightforward, but like visually appealing, accessible, relatable to, you know, millennials <laughs> and because there weren't that many people, mm -hmm. I think companies found me quite easily. And 
one thing again that I've always been relatively good at is writing. Mm. Um, I never really thought of it as something that I would end up doing as a job, but actually, if I look back at like I guess my childhood and school, I was always good at writing. Right. Um, so they just saw what I was doing, liked it, and thought, yeah, do you want to write some stuff for us? Um, I had no idea how much to charge. Like, they were paying me like fifty pounds or something, which is like a post but <laughs> i was just happy that someone wanted to pay me for what yeah, i was doing yeah, yeah. Yeah. um and that yeah that was i guess the start of it turning into a business and why finance is that something that you had like a really keen interest in or did you sort of identify a gap in the market that you thought would be beneficial to people yeah great to question. educate them on anyway i would say it's a combination of both so I think initially it was an interest in that I just remember my mum when I was, I don't even know how old it was, but she signed me up to Martin Lewis's emails, money saving expert. I still get those emails. So do they're I. Great. They're <laughs> they great. are great. But <laughs> the thing about them is a, they're very dense yeah. and they're aimed at my mum. Mostly. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, it's those yeah. links, like you click through to them and it's not clear where it goes. Like, I completely agree with you. Yeah. That's the thing. So yeah. I was getting those for years and I was thinking, this is really good, but like, this is not me user friendly. Um, and I started to think, okay, I'm going to start teaching myself some of this stuff. My granddad also was very good at kind of pushing me in the direction of like financial information um, and buying me books, which I didn't pay much attention to, but about like <laughs> investing and stuff. And I, I just thought, you know, in my early 20s, I was, let's give it a go. Let's put some money in the stock market, see what happens. And it worked out right. Um, played around a bit. And then I just thought, throughout my 20s as I got towards starting this why is there nothing like why is there nothing that is talking to women mm -hmm. particularly and this generation like mm -hmm. we're very different to our yeah. parents generation um and then came like the identification of the opportunity because I looked for it couldn't see it mm -hmm. already had the interest and thought well this is this is an opportunity yeah if I don't do it someone else is going to do it brilliant um and yeah it was very low risk though at this point you, you say it very casually like oh just thought i'd go and do it but like what does starting your own kind of financial education business look like like what steps were required because i think um a lot of people will say oh that could be done better but not many people actually go and do it yeah so i think it'd be great <laughs> to like bring to life what the execution of that looks like rather than just the idea yeah so true um so i guess the first thing is it wasn't a business to start with it was literally a hobby um it only i only turned it into a business properly in 2020 um after i realized that i could make money from it um but honestly all it was was a setting up a platform like a blog which you can just google set up um, again, what my website looks like now and all of the blog is not what it looked like. It was very much a DIY Wix site that was very scrappily put together, um, but with word process mm. and an Instagram account. Um, and I had a private personal Instagram account and I knew from having worked on the brand ones when I was at the agency, you know, you need to 
have different types of content. You need to make it look nice. Um, I knew how to use Canva, which is like the godsend. I love Canva. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you probably realise most of our content is from Canva. <laughs> Literally, it's who great. isn't? It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Exactly. Yeah. And that was it. I was like, okay, I need to write a post a week and I need to put out three or four Instagram posts a week and just keep talking about it. And that was it for a few months. Um, that was the start. And I think for a lot of people, actually, the biggest thing... I don't know whether you found this, but is getting out of your own head and worrying what other people will think about massively. it. Massively. Yeah, yeah, massively. Yeah. It, it is, yeah, because I think with that, particularly on Instagram, right, first of all, there's like this thing where everyone wants to be an influencer, right? And if your immediate circle sees that you're doing something that appears to be trying to be that, yeah. it, there's that immediate judgment. Um, but because you're marketing to your immediate contacts, from the outset, you do have that worry that, oh, what are they thinking? Yeah. Do they like it? Do they think it's rubbish? Is it even speaking to them? Oh, they're not really our target market, but we're blasting them with this stuff, you know? Um, so uh, yeah, 100%, you do have that like confidence yeah. issue to start with. I didn't tell my friends that I was doing this to start with. Like I just was quiet about it and started like building this little audience, like, didn't mention it to anybody. Um, I don't even know how long it took me to actually be like, oh yeah, I've got this thing. And then I definitely played it down um, <laughs> massively for quite a long time. I mean, I still do. Um, but I think it's 100% like you've got to get over yourself yeah. um, when it comes to that. Because anything that's out of, I guess, what you're used to doing and out of like the comfort zone, especially when you've grown up in like a world, which I have, which is very much like, corporate jobs mm. like not very much go off and do your own thing yeah yeah and and just very quickly to say that when you tell people you're not responsible for how they feel about your successes particularly with something that's really cool and you know current doing something that there's a market for um because you do speak well i certainly find that i speak to some people and you kind of think, oh, this is what we're doing. And, you know, you get you get some good responses and some responses are a bit more like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Like kind of wishing they were doing something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and you think, well, if you want to do it, go out and do it. You know, no one's stopping you. You just got to put in the hard work. Um, yeah. So that whole thing of like letting go of what, how other people feel about it, it's not your responsibility. No, that's so true. And just like, yeah, just expecting people to react in different ways mm. um but ultimately knowing that you know like you say you're the one doing it and they're not they're sat behind their desk or at home or whatever mm. and that's not your issue and were you and yeah. were you were still working at this point right yeah and how did that transition work yeah it was really quite gradual i would say it was probably over like six months or so that i started doing less of the work like the freelance work from the agency and picking up more and more of my own work okay. and I don't think that's ever really stopped in a way um, I've been through various different phases of like quiet busy having work from all different directions of all different types um, to basically just having weeks where there's not that much going on and that is still like something that I struggle with I mm. still find it quite hard the not knowing what is coming when um but i'm also trying to just learn that that is part of 
running a business. Yeah. yeah. Surrendering to the flow of the universe. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Something like that. Um, um, I listened to your latest episode of the um, Money Unfiltered podcast um, yes. this week, and you had the uh, co-founder of Neon yes. Fragrances, um, Nicola Elliott, on, and something that like was a massive light bulb for me because alongside being a solicitor, I also have like a business that I own and my family's involved and we, we do something on the side, is that you, like removing this belief that you can go from being an employee to being a business owner and like making loads of money <laughs> and having a salary and what Nicola said and what you've actually just kind of described to us as well is that it's a really gradual process. You know, she said you can't go from one to the other. It's like if you're lucky, you'll go from your day job to evenings and weekends on your yeah. side hustle to then maybe working as an employee for four days and doing one day on your other stuff. And um, I just want that to really hit home because like it that's the realistic view of shifting, transitioning, starting your own business. 100%. Like, yeah. and oh my gosh, I just think the amount of times that people say to me like oh like how do you do that like how do you make money just being on instagram i'm like i don't that is not <laughs> yeah. what i do <laughs> like you don't see percent. it is that it is that and the more i think that people like nicola kind of talk about it i love that episode um because of how brutally honest she was mm. about it and even the bits like off mic where she was telling us about like stress and the the thing that stuck in my head is when she said about the fact that people come to her and say to her like oh yeah I started this business but then I gave it up because xyz happened and she was like xyz literally is my Tuesday <laughs> like if if that was me if I gave up the business when well, that had happened yeah. I would not be here yeah and yeah, yeah I think that that goes to um I, I don't I, I don't like to quote Dave all the time, but he says, you've seen my picture, but you've never seen my camera roll, which I yes. think is a good way of putting yeah. it to, to the younger generation. Like people see a snapshot of success and don't see the hard work that goes into it. And uh, yeah, the sacrifice and, and the sleepless nights. So um, thanks for bringing that to life for us. And I, I think it's a really good reflection from you, Nikki, because a lot of people think they can get rich quick, but the reality is it's slow gradual steps which compound over time yeah. um which and often have bigger effects yeah absolutely and get used to working late at night and you know using your weekends to yeah. do something that you want to build you know on the side or for the future so absolutely yeah. so just uh, moving on to the podcast uh, content creation how did that begin and uh yeah tell us a bit more about your your partner there and, and how you guys came up with the concept yeah so i love this story and this is like a great message to anyone watching so Victoria literally came across me um, the end of 2020 because she had joined a workshop which I was co-hosting with somebody. And I, at this point, didn't know she existed. Um, I got this email after the workshop, so like 9, 9.30 at night, which basically was just like this paragraph being like, oh my gosh, I just done this love what you're doing Sorry. you're great <laughs> um here's my number whatsapp me <laughs> i was like bold <laughs> bold and it makes a lot more sense when you realize that she's northern right um she's from leeds she's very much goes and gets what she wants and i was like 
okay, I'll WhatsApp you. Mm. Um, <laughs> was it? Was the message like, who dis? <laughs> Basically, I was like, hi, you've just emailed me asking me to WhatsApp you. Like, here I am. Um, so 100% credit to, is to her for that because she reached out out of nowhere. And basically, this was also very much COVID time. So um, we got on a call, had a chat, and just again, like another version of this story where like it just we just clicked. Um, it just worked. She explained to me that she is a financial advisor. Um, she had just set up her own business and had left like the big structure of corporate financial advice um and we just got talking and we started like building this friendship and along the way we were like oh maybe we should have a podcast because we had so many conversations about all of these issues privately and we were like this would actually be really good to record mm -hmm. so we just started recording it um, and released the first series. And the first series was only six episodes, um, done all on Zoom. We'd never met at this point. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we... she lives up north. She's not like based down in the south. Or so anything. she was in London for a bit, yeah. but it was this is peak COVID. Yeah. Oh, right. Um, okay. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of 20. Yeah. yeah and right. so it was, we'd literally never met. We just decided we'd do this podcast together, uh, did six episodes and just put them out and it was just us two chatting to each other and when you look back now like it's so cringe worthy but <laughs> <laughs> episode one and two oh, on hwbt anyone that's looking to start a podcast you have to just get over those first two yeah because it's painful it's not gonna do. be good is it you do. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah it, it we we did those six episodes we were like okay some bits work some bits don't work we probably want guests. So we spent a bit of time planning and then went into season two. Um, and we're in three now. Um, we kind of had a bit of a big gap before the second season, got all of the guests organized, figured out like a bit more what we actually needed to do, got an editor to help us. Um, and then basically, yeah, since then have been doing weekly episodes with a short break in between and we're coming towards the end of our third season um but i just i, I love it and and i'm guessing you found because you're doing it as well like there's just <laughs> something so great about like the art of podcasting mm, yeah 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 100 percent no, we, we, we enjoy it. <laughs> yeah we love it um and yeah thanks thanks for sharing that with us yeah. um i think to your uh, co-host Victoria. Yeah. Big props to her. She's not here, but you you only miss the shots you don't take, and yeah. she's created something from being bold mm. and uh, reaching out where a lot of people don't. They 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 might hear an inspirational speaker and who, who encourages them to yeah, if you've got any further questions, reach out. But yeah, I, I've definitely been guilty of it at times, not reached out, and yeah, who knows what opportunities come from it. So. That's one I think we can both take away and, and so can our listeners. So thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, absolutely. And and this is a, like a really recurring theme as well, is that people who take action and actually take a gamble and just drop someone a message, like yeah. what's the worst that can happen? What are you going to yeah. lose? Um, it, it, you know, that that seems to be a big separator between the ones that like the doers and the the non-doers and yeah. the ones that achieve something and people that maybe don't um it's hard so though i definitely one. think it's easy to look at all of the things that you've done and for people to listen or watch this and think you know oh well you know she must find it really easy to do that to 
reach out to all these people like I still find it hard I don't think it ever gets much easier but you just keep going back to that point that mm. if you don't ask you're definitely not going to get and yeah, yeah. As, as uh, yeah. our, our guest bio once said, closed mouths don't get fed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I think, I don't know about you, Alex, but having started this podcast, I'm way more shameful, shameful, shameless in just saying to people, you're so interested, like, would you be comfortable coming yeah. on the podcast? Uh, because if we if you don't do that, if you don't ask, like, we're just not going to have guests. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the thing, I think with podcasting as well, like, you realize that you have to, if you want your podcast to be good, if you want it to be interesting and engaging, like you've got to go out and find those people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we've definitely, as we've got through it, like the last couple of ones, um, and we've got a few coming up where we've got quite big guests on. And even those have come about from the, this exact same thing happening where mm -hmm. one of us is just like, send a message, like send an email, like, go over to that person and ask them like ask a mate of a mate if they'll mm -mm. connect you it what's the worst that can happen yeah. and i think like you say you know doing something like this actually really forces you to do it where in a lot of areas of life you could just sit back and just be like oh well yeah. if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen if you want your podcast to be good you've got to ask people to come on it absolutely and and actually that's something nikki and i spoke about as being one of our kind of uh, aspirations for, for this podcast. We, we want our inner circle to grow organically. So to the extent that you or other guests have people they, they think would really enjoy this experience, let's connect those people. Let's, yeah. let's cross pollinate because who knows what, what might come of it. And ultimately we're, we're people people. And um, yeah, we, we enjoy meeting new people and, and love, we, we met through a mutual friend and yeah. look at where we are now. So we know things can come out of it. So, uh, yeah, we uh, completely share that view with you. Just um, on each of uh, your kind of content creating and uh, financial education, what kind of, were there any qualifications, particularly around the financial education piece that you, you've had to do or um, like kind of any challenges or surprises that someone looking to maybe start their own uh, financial education business um what sort of things would they need to be aware of before doing so yeah so it's a really interesting on this because finance is a very weird space i would say so there is financial advice and financial advice is heavily regulated um, financial advice is the high level way of putting it is it's product focused so anything that tells people what financial products to buy to use all of that is very heavily regulated and you need to be a financial advisor to be able to do that being a financial advisor lots of exams lots of you know hours sleepless nights um let's not go into thoughts on the fca because that's a whole <laughs> but... not on our podcast please ellie <laughs> <laughs> let's get a shut down um but the thing with financial advice is that it's very helpful to people with money. What it's not so helpful for is the vast majority of the population who don't have assets worth over a certain amount. And this is why financial education is growing. It's always been there. It's always had a need. And I guess, you know, five, 10 years ago, it was largely filled by financial journalism because financial journalists don't tend to have qualifications in finance mm -hmm. um, because they're covering the 
less profitable part of finance, which is the part that affects most of us. Yeah. Um, financial education is filling in all of those gaps, all of the stuff that people need to know day to day to manage their money. There is also an element of like educating people about, you know, what is investing, what are pensions, those things, but it's not product focused. Um, so what I did, so I started out basically just talking about my knowledge and my own experiences, but I also then realized that I wanted to be able to be confident in what I was doing, but I didn't want to go down the advice route. So something that, again, came out of the US and is still relatively new here, but it is definitely a trend at the moment, is financial coaching. Um, and financial coaching is much more about helping to facilitate clients to get to their own answers, to get to their own solutions about money. So it's much more people focused, it's much more emotional, much more behavioral. So I actually did a course, um, it was like a very intensive program with the leading financial coaching educator in the country. Um, she's brilliant. She's got a company called Wise Monkey Financial Coaching. She's been doing this for 27 odd years in the UK and is super highly respected. And I was like, I want to go to her because if I'm going to do this, I want to do it properly. Mm. Um, and this was quite early on. So I was like, I'm just going to invest in this. So I know that I am confident in what I'm doing, um, particularly if I want to help people in terms of going to workshops on a one-to-one -one basis. Um, so that's what I did. There's a lot of questions still in the space because the, the FCA, they just don't really have the capacity or the bandwidth to deal with the size of this issue, which is that the majority of people are not being serviced mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. it comes to financial support, education, advice. Um, and actually one thing that I, I have found really helpful is working with Victoria because she is a regulated advisor. So she has been through that process. And actually one of the reasons why we kind of clicked in the first place is that she really wants to move away from advice because again the type of client you're working with are not people that need like help mm. they're people that want help to make their lots of money go further yeah. typically yeah, um, yeah and it's yeah. just a hugely different person that you're talking to and like the person i'm passionate about is someone like like me five years ago who doesn't know where to begin with you know a decent salary but not loads of money like mm -hmm. a high cost of living living like in the city yeah, want yeah, to go yeah. on holiday want to have a nice time mm -hmm. but want to make good decisions and yeah that is i guess where there's still this big gap mm. yeah and and any kind of particular highlights of your uh, financial education career so far that you wouldn't mind sharing with us yeah absolutely i mean i've worked with some brilliant companies and brilliant brands like one of the things i love doing is like workshops in person so um i've been lucky enough to have quite a lot of opportunities to go into companies um a bit pre but more so recently as people start to come back to post pandemic life and in-person events like i love that feeling of like talking to a room and people nodding along and people kind of having those light bulb moments mm. and um, and connecting to people in that way. But another recent highlight, and this is more on the creation side, but it all ties in together, is I did a big campaign with Hotels.com, um, which I absolutely loved doing because 
they came to me, they were like, we want to do this campaign. We've done a bit of research about the cost of stag and hen parties. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to do this whole thing about ways that you can save money without having to say no. Um, so I worked with them on this big campaign. I did a day of like endless radio interviews. Like It was super fun. And it was just doing what I love doing in a... Uh, I guess a more commercial environment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been great. There's a lot of highs. There are also lots of stressful parts about it. But <laughs> yeah. Well, look, this really interesting, and I'm sure we can talk about it um, for a long time, probably all evening. But um, we do have to wrap it up slowly. Um, can you give us your like five top tips for people? God, there's a banging around going on there. Um, yeah, your sort of five top money tips that you would give to people? Gosh, I can't really even remember these. Um, <laughs> give it a go. I'll, I'll read them out to you, <laughs> and then you could say which one's your favorite. We can chop this up. Um, so five, your five top money tips that you propose to us are start saving, but don't stress about it. Yeah. Start saving, but don't stress about it is number one, because this is what I did. I started saving as soon as I started getting paid, which at the time, I don't think I clocked was unusual, but turns out it's quite unusual. Um, <laughs> having spoken to Chris, who didn't start say for two years, um, <laughs> earning the same amount of money as me. Um, but what I did is I just set up a direct debit every month. It wasn't very much, a couple of hundred pounds, um, which grand scheme of things out of what I was earning wasn't that much, but it just was going away every month. And it meant that by the time that I had finished my training contract, I had a bit of money in savings. And yeah. As Tony Robbins says, automate it. Um, yes. <laughs> invest early. Time is your best friend. That's all about Horizon, right? Yes. Yeah. So investing is one of the biggest topics I get asked about all the time. People want to know how to invest, what to invest in, where to start. Women in particular are still not investing enough. Women save, they don't invest as much. And saving is not your friend when it comes to inflation. Um, investing at the moment questionable but the best way to think about it is that at the moment while the markets are not doing well it's a sale so all of the stocks are on sale so buy stuff on sale hold on to it and hopefully it'll increase in value but the reason i say start early is because you get the benefit of compounding so your money your gains will grow and grow and grow hopefully we love that concept as well the compounding effect uh number three is learn to negotiate negotiating yeah this is a skill that i find hard still but find yourself somebody that can back you up find yourself someone that when you're struggling to negotiate you're struggling to ask for more will say no you go and do it like ask for more go in higher cheerleaders cheerleaders need a cheerleader absolutely uh number four don't chase money it won't make you happy yeah um this one i think i I made decisions early on in my life focused purely on money rather than what would make me happy and fulfilled. And the reality is we've got a very long time to work. And if you don't enjoy what you do, you know, or if you burn out after five years, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do for the next 30 years? Um, The money will come. I do believe that, that if you put your energy and your passion into something, like you can make it work. It might be a bit slower, but it will last longer and be much more fulfilling. Yeah, 
No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that as well. And I think we're either we ha either have the opportunity to follow a career path that will allow us to make money, and that's what we're kind of chasing, or we have to go into something just to make money because we have to survive. Um, so, so completely agree with that. Uh, and finally, spend money on experiences now. Yeah, um, and this is just I think to people that are younger. Um, I mean, I say younger, like that aren't tied down. Um, a lot of people are younger you, than you us make, now. You make it sound so glamorous. Tied <laughs> <laughs> down, no, no, um, not at all. But um, one of the things that I did when I was in my early twenties was spend a lot of money on traveling and it's just one of those things I've never regretted um I had friends that were living all over the world and like friends suggesting let's go to the Philippines on holiday and stuff and I just did it and that money now is totally irrelevant to me but those memories and those experiences are like invaluable mm. so I think it's so easy to think oh gosh like I should not spend that thousand pounds on that big trip but if you've got it, mm. then I would say, like, if you want to do it, do it. And I, I think on, on that one, because um, I fully agree with that. And I sometimes when we go on some of our holidays, which aren't the cheapest, think, oh, this, this is a bit steep. But it's also an investment in the relationships with the people that mm. you, you have around you. And we have our whiskey club. It can literally be anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, in fact, it's because we went on a holiday together that exactly. our relationship flourished. As but well, but so. but on that, like we can be in any kind of anyone's house, any part of the country, like not spending a penny and still have a great time. But yeah, often those experiences when you've got the money facilitate an even more enhanced um, experience for the group. So I, I fully endorse that one. Spend money on experiences now, especially when you're young. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, look, we need to wrap it up. Um, Ellie, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it was really insightful. Um, I've also learned a lot uh, about content creation and you know how to go about things maybe in a better way for our own platform. Um, and I'm sure our listeners have a lot to take away for their own journeys as well. So, so thank you so much. Um, Alex, have you got any closing words? Uh, no, again, I just want to reiterate Nikki's comments. I want to encourage everyone to listen to Money Unfiltered. We're going to leave it in Absolutely. the show notes. Um, Maybe even we could reach out to your your co-host Victoria, get her on, and, and Louise. Yeah. But they, they sound like really inspirational women, and, and we're always keen to to get their voices heard for the next generation. But yeah, thank you very much, Eddie. Great to see you again, and yeah, hopefully catch up soon. Yeah. Thank you for having where, me. Where can people find you? At this girl talks money on Instagram and on TikTok. Um, TikTok. <laughs> TikTok, nice. Let's not talk about TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and thisgirltalksmoney.com. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode. Um, as always, please like, follow, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. We are at Hard Work Beats Talent Podcast on Instagram, um, Spotify, Apple, Google, and YouTube. Um, and if you want to reach out, give us a shout. Thanks for listening. Bye.